you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Wow. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Wow. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Happy Hump Day and welcome back to the Urban Girl Corporate World Podcast. I'm your dopest hostess with the mostest, Nicole, and I am so excited that you're getting over the hump this week with me. Can we talk about where the money resides? On a previous episode, I interviewed Monica McCoy, pitch coach and CEO of Pitch University, about the importance of crafting a perfect pitch. On that episode, she and I talked about the disparities in venture capital funding for female founders, which is something that today's guest is not only passionate about changing, but she's also doing the work to change. She is many things, including a well-respected woman in tech advocate, founder and general partner of Rain Capital, a cyber-focused venture fund, former professor at Carnegie Mellon, speaker, thought leader, and security startup strategist, Chanksy Wang. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So nice to be here. And thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so glad we get to talk today. So to give some perspective, Chanksy and I got introduced through another phenomenal woman cybersecurity executive in my network. And I'm so glad that our paths crossed. If you've heard me speak or listen to any of the podcast, you hear me stress the importance of community for women in cyber. And Chanksy has matched me up with a number of fantastic women doing amazing things in the cybersecurity space. And in this short time, I've learned so much from her. Chanksy, one thing I've learned about you while getting to know you is that you've had quite a robust career. I'm talking (laughs) academia, research, corporate executive. Now you're into venture capital. I mean, board seats, all these things. Personally, my career path has been non-traditional, right? So starting on Wall Street and now in cyber. um, And that's because I tend to just seek out opportunities that I find fun and rewarding. What inspired the career changes along your path? Yes. So, um, and I'm glad you asked that because I think you and I probably are similar in that we look for inspirations and look for new challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I think, um, you know, I've had a number of um, career paths where um, I, took it down one direction and I think I did really well. I learned, I felt like I learned all that I was to learn. Mm-hmm. And then I look at where I was and I said, well, I could coast uh, or I could do something else. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like when I was met with that decision point, I always, always chose to change, not because I was unhappy with the direction I was on, rather I needed that extra challenge in the morning to get out of bed mm-hmm. you know so I mean figuratively speaking <laughs> but um, uh, if I wasn't you know if I didn't feel challenged if I didn't feel like you know this day is going to be so interesting I'll learn something then I don't feel as inspired when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm not inspired I don't do as good of a job mm-hmm. um so I didn't do this intentionally, but if you look back in my career, that's been the pattern is, you know, I got to a a level of success and I say, hey, what else is there to do? 
Um, and then I changed to a different, slightly different career path uh, where I could leverage my expertise, but also learn new things. And so I think that's what led me from academia to industry, uh, then to industry research, to executive operating roles, and now to venture capital. Which one of those was the hardest? Oh, that's, that's, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Each carries its own challenges. I think um, academia was hard. Um, mm-hmm. So I start, my first job was um, a faculty member at Carnegie Mellon University, right? Professor at Carnegie Mellon, you literally work with um, touring award winners. You know, in your in your corridor, you could have a touring award winner two, two doors uh, down from your office, right? Wow. And they like start a new field or they they establish this fundamental theory and and you're like oh it's just me here mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. right and and to measure up is really difficult um and, and so that was hard i think um but it was also extremely rewarding because yeah. every day you're, you're learning new things you're creating new things mm-hmm. um and the venture capital was hard um, I can imagine because it's a really different world than what I was before. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was doing security investments, which uh, fit my background and expertise, but the whole fundraising part and the whole evaluating the company, looking at the financials, and com- be comfortable with the financial models and projections um, was something that I had to pick up as a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, those two things, th- those two, uh, um, you know, capacities, I think are are harder than some of the other things that I've done. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, being a woman executive comes with its own set of challenges, right? So I totally get being in the academia space. Um, last week, I started um, a lecture series at a local university here, and I was so nervous, but it went really well. Um, But back to the challenges about being a woman executive, especially um, working in the cybersecurity space, right, where we are very, very underrepresented. What were some of the challenges that you faced in that phase of your career? Um, So I think um, the one thing that many of us face and and, um, probably still happens today is you underestimate it. Right. And, and um, I used to be, um, I guess I used to be a little bit angry about that. But then I, I looked at this as a, an advantage for me, because when I'm underestimated, I often come in and I completely surprise people. Correct. And, um, and they were like, ooh, who are you? Mm-hmm. Where are you from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um and that could, you know, potentially could be a, an interesting entry point for you to come into a project, to come into a new job. Although, uh, you know, it does take a little bit in the beginning for you to be heard, mm-hmm. for you to establish your your authority. But once you've done that, I think it's a it's an interesting thing to see how people's attitude towards you change. Yes, um, and. You know, I grew up in an environment where I uh, I was never, um, what's the word? Um, 
I didn't mind to be underestimated because I always was able to prove people wrong. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, I would just say, hey, look, in in 10 months, you will not be saying the same thing. Or in six Mm -hmm. months, you will not be saying the same thing. And it has happened to me many times in, in my career. So I actually don't mind to be underestimated because that sets up a challenge for myself, yes. which I then come and overcome. Yes. It's so funny. I, this is That's something I hear very, very often from women leaders, even more often from women in cyber. And, and my thought process is the same as yours. The more somebody underestimates you, the easier it is to ex- exceed their expectations. So in a way, they, they do you a little bit of a favor. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about <laughs> Rain Capital. So can you talk to me about Rain Capital, what it is, and what really inspired you to, to found this organization? So, uh, first of all, Rain Capital is a cyber-focused venture fund. Um, I'm the founder and general partner of Rain Capital. Uh, what that means is I established the fund. Um, how it came about is I was working in the startup land, right? And um, obviously, being in that world, you interact with many VCs, many investors, um, and I understood through that experience that I knew the market as well as anyone in this market. Um, and I don't say this lightly. Um, you know, I've spent many years, I have very analytical mindset um, and I can look at a, a deep technology, but I can also abstract and look at the meta picture of the market and of the trends. And I found that not many people have that skill skill set or that capacity to be able to go from you know deep technical to the business level to the uh, abstraction of uh, of the trends um, and I was able to do that and I looked at who the decision makers are in those um, deals um, they were not me right and uh, I I said to myself hey if they can do it I can do it too. That's right. Um, and I started looking at different opportunities and talking to folks. And what happens is for for those of you who are listening who may or may not really know how the venture capital industry works, it's a very um, it's a very closed community, um, and uh, you don't get someone to join your your fund very easily. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a, you know, I established this fund with my Harvard uh, fund and and we maybe hire someone we went to school with. And so it's a, it's a very difficult industry to break into. Mm-hmm. So I started having conversations with uh, um, fund executives uh, and I expressed interest to join some of their funds. And while they were using me as a due diligence expert, right, for some of the security investment, and they understand that I really know the market, but most of them came back and say, you don't have the investment background, right? You didn't go to Wharton, you didn't go to Harvard, and you don't have an MBA. Mm -hmm. You are... You, you don't have the ground to do, and you're too senior to be, to be someone who rise up the rank, right? So I didn't have an option to join a fund. 
And I said, well, I'll do my own thing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and, and um, but you know, it was something I said, I didn't know whether I could do it because mm-hmm. it takes a lot for someone to say, Hey, I'm going to put my money yes. in your fund yes. for you to manage because that's a lot of trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I was, I was lucky in the sense that I have a good network of people who really trusted me, trusted my expertise, and they put their money and their trust in me. And I was able to raise this fund. And a lot of people actually said, no, it cannot be done. You never run a fund before. You you were not known as an investor. You can't do it. but I was able to do it. And now we're actually expanding to a second fund or be larger. And, um, you know, but I'll tell you what, in this world, in the venture capital world, I still on a daily basis, I get underestimated. Mm-hmm. Okay? So large fund manager would say, who are you? You have such a small fund, you know, you, you, you may not matter. Um, wow. But I'll tell you, one day I will be running a fund as big as they are. That's right. But I wish to. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now, in terms of venture capital, because we're talking billions of dollars, right, in this industry, what is considered a small fund and what's a large fund? Yes, um, it's a good question. So my my first fund was $10 million. Okay. Right? So it's considered micro fund. Um, and uh, to give you a scale, the large Silicon Valley fund would mm-hmm. manage billions of dollars. Okay. So okay. A million versus billions. It's it's a microscopic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of funds in between. There are some funds, a hundred million dollar fund or three hundred million dollar fund. Um, so. Uh, what I have with Rain Capital Fund One, which we're still on Fund One, is is small. It's yeah. a, a from scale. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think if if we consider ten million to be small, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> that's phenomenal. <laughs> Being small is not that bad. Now, well, in, the, in the venture capital land, that's mm, small. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I what I love about the story of how rain capital comes together is is you know people always say oh you know if they don't make room for you at the table bring a chair but the motivation behind yours was nobody would make space for you to 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 bring a chair so you just created your own table and thinking about women and cyber founders these are women who are making their own tables as well is that a part of your motivation for creating this women in cyber fund and and also as a as a follow-up why do you think women just get such a small portion of the funding yeah so let me ask the let me answer the first question um so yes i created my own table um but i i didn't do it because i want to set an example or anything um i wanted to do it because i i really want to get into this type of work to learn mm-hmm. and to create a, uh, a space of my own. Yeah. Right? And along the way, uh, you know, the, it did set example for other women who may wish to enter this industry. I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, and by the way, our fund one has, um, has 
great momentum. Um, I can't get into specifics, but we have really, really good metrics, um, better than many large funds are able wow. to create. Um, so I'm I'm very fortunate and very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, for the and, and you know, it's a little bit about me. I think I always had that mentality of if you don't give me a space at the table, and I'll just go create my own table. And uh, my mom told me that I was like that when I was a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Not shocked at all. Um, so the second question was why so few women get funded. Um, so I think there's a, there are two parts to that answer. One is the pipeline, uh, the ratio of women seeking funding is small. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've been doing this for three years now, and I talk to a lot of women entrepreneurs, but on the scale of things, it does not compare to the number of um, pitches I get that's all male founders. Mm-hmm. And very, it's very small portion. Yeah. So they just not, there are many of us out there seeking mm-hmm. funding mm-hmm. to start with. Right, to start with. And, and secondly, uh, and this has been written up everywhere, is women seeking funding tend to be put against a higher bar. Um, mm. Women tend to be met with higher scrutiny mm-hmm. and, um, and a lot of their answers tend to be met with uh, suspicion versus if a, a male founder said, you know, we don't quite know how this is playing out, but we're just going to try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people would say, oh, he has potential. But mm-hmm. if a woman say that, the, the normal response is she doesn't know what she's talking about. Mm. So there's some bias in there. There's yeah. So so the mm. no the two parts is there the pipeline is small and there's bias. So the right. two factors together, it's no surprise that the successful uh, projects that are, are, are headed by women and found uh, and funded um, by the venture capital industry is very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a small population to begin with, and then they're met with such scrutiny once they arrive. So it, it just doubles down on the challenges. Now, from the fundraising perspective, um, fundraising is, is, is very much a skill. Um, I participated in a program and uh, with United Way some time ago, and we had a part of our assignment. Um, we were being trained on how to be effective nonprofit board members. And a part of that was to go into your network and raise funds for our cohort and the next. Talk to me about, in my mind, from that small experience and even hearing you speak today, I think there is both an art and a science to fundraising. Can you talk to me about some of that? So I don't know about the science. If there was a science, I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's certainly an art to it, right? So there's, there's the persistence angle to it, right? And, and fundraising, I think this actually is, you know, men and women uh, both will be uh, seeing that as well is you are expected to hear a lot of no's unless you're like, you know, walk on water, which many of us are not. Right. And so you're going to hear a lot of no's and it's, 
it's rejection after rejection after rejection, right? And some of them very polite, um, but it's a rejection nonetheless. So you need to have thick skin and you need to uh, be able to overcome that, right? And not to wallow in the rejection, say, oh, I'm not good, I'm not good enough. Rather you say, okay, well, thank you. I'll move on to the next one. So there's pers persistence and there's the tenacity uh, that you need to have to basically take, take the fundraising process to the end. Um, and there's also the who do you target, right? And so there's um, folks that are a little bit more open-minded. Um, uh, so I'll just come around to the women founders question, right? So why are so, so few women get fun uh, uh, funded? Because a lot of the venture capital funds look for repeat founders. Um, so they only bet on people who have founded companies before, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that women CEOs, women founders in the minority, right? And so often when I see a woman founder, it's a first time founder, right? And the, uh, uh, you, have to, you have to be open to that. You have to say, okay, even though she doesn't have the experience, she has a good idea, she has the fundamental skills, maybe I'll bet on her. And it's the same thing with me, right? When I go right. looking for funding, I say, look, I've never managed a fund before. I'll just get that out of the way. However, I have the expertise, the know-how of the market, and I work really hard, and I am one to bet on. So that's what I say, right? And it may or may not work. That's right. People, right. But I say, look, you're betting on a, a future successful venture capitalist, not mm -hmm. one that has the track record, mm -hmm. but I will be successful if you bet right. on me. And so they have to, you have to target people who are open to that kind of pitch. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. So that's the, uh, the art side. <laughs> now you, you mentioned that um, a lot of women founders are met with skepticism. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I would imagine that there too may be a small amount of women compared to men who are actually the head of venture capital funds. Do you experience some bias or challenges as a fundraiser? And what do those look like? So I, you know, when when a um, a founder tells me that oh fundraising is hard, I would say hey the only consolation is you know you're going to VCs and ask for money those VCs have to fundraise themselves right <laughs> and and it's hard for them as well right and, and it's harder for a woman VC like me mm -hmm. and so yes it it is. Um, yeah. Um, I think more than male VCs and a new VC is often met with uh, skepticism. And I was a new woman VC, so mm -hmm. it's like double whammy. Yeah, yeah. What motivates you to keep going and push through that? Um, I think I'm, I, you know, as I said, I, I tend to like be kind of stubborn about it. And, and I was like, don't believe in me I'll show you right mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I want to uh, make this initiative a success yeah um, and so you know that that's what keeps me going yeah yeah so 
you've got you've got your funds raised and obviously there's that pool that you take and invest in different women cyber founders what are some of the things that you look for in the spaces that you choose to invest the fund in? If I were to you know, evaluate a, a company pitch, um, mm-hmm. my first inclination is look at what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Is the solution or the offering uh, that is um, compelling to solve a, a big pain point for mm-hmm. the industry? You know, for for someone like you, Nicole, right? Um, and I have a network of people. I ask them, and sometimes I have a really good reading on the problem. Other times I may not, and I tap into my network. Uh, I may come to you, Nicole, one day and say, "Hey, you know, what do you think of this?" And mm-hmm. I do that a lot with um, with my network, as you may imagine. And um, and they, you know, they help me out, and I try to help them out. Um, that's first thing. Second is I look at the um, I look at the team, right? So do they have the right technical skills? Do they have the business know-how to make it happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes just two technical founders. Um, then you have to believe their ability to recruit in the future a a good take to market, a good business executive to mm-hmm. augment that team, right? And obviously, the one of the most important part is you have the core technology that is differentiated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the the idea, the team, and then the third one is really important: is how big the market is. Right. So, if the idea is interesting, but it's a very niche market, mm-hmm. like maybe only only twenty percent of the company will need it, nobody else will need it. Uh, then you know that's not going to grow to be a large business mm-hmm. and you're not going to see that 10x or 20x return. So um, maybe that's not a project you need to invest in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these three things are, you know, in, in terms of high level are the things you care about. Obviously, there are a lot of nuances in, right. in the evaluation, like, you know, how much they are seeking, how much money they're seeking, what is the valuation against mm-hmm. the, the amount raised? Is it too expensive? Do they have enough money raised? And all mm-hmm. that coming into a, a question, right? Yeah. Can you talk to me about some of the projects that you've chosen to invest in thus far? Yeah. So um, we invested in uh, living security. Okay. Um, you, I don't know if you met the CEO. It's also a woman founder, um, okay. Ashley uh, Rose. In fact, Ashley would be a great guest for your podcast as okay. well. Um, Ashley and her husband, uh, Drew Rose, uh, they, they founded this company called Living Security. And um, while raising a family of four kids. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, know, I know. Not easy. Um, and she is one of the most organized entrepreneurs I know. I yeah. always get reports from her, like on the dot. I love it. And um, as a first time founder, as the mom, she is so organized. And I mm-hmm. look at her operation, I'm like, girl, you have it. <laughs> <laughs> With four kids, she absolutely has. Thank God she's organized because how else yeah. could she do all that? Women You're are right. amazing. Women are amazing. 
And so, so her company uh, does um, security awareness training, mm-hmm. and they do it in a very interactive sense. Um, they have an online escape room exercise. Nice. So you bring your team to uh, to this online portal, and they actually collaboratively, the team collaboratively solve puzzles that are security puzzles Mm -hmm. and you learn about uh, certain security uh, issues or security capacity within this team exercise. And you build, you you not only learn um, uh, sort of a security knowledge, Mm -hmm. you also, it's a, it's a team bonding exercise. It's interactive. Uh, And this is one of the security training platforms that I've seen that people actually took it and they don't want to leave. Mm. Now I've never seen training. People are so like invested in training, right? I haven't usually, either. Yeah, Especially cybersecurity training. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I found them in one of the conferences, they were running an escape room exercise and literally the people who were taking it, they didn't want to leave after the session's over. They were like, can we do more? Can we do more? And I was like, who are these people? Uh-huh, <laughs> right. Cause that's what you want. You want yeah. people to have an interest in these types of things because, you know, as I, even as I look at, um, you know, the cybersecurity space that I work in, it's the human element is, is so exactly. huge. Right. Yeah. And now, um, now they are, this is the platform, right. And they, they come their um, client list is crazy. Like, Mm-hmm. 14,000, Fortune 500, lots of them are their, their customers. And, and now they have this platform and they're building on top this human risk management solution for the company, mm-hmm. right? I love it. And, and they're going to tell you where the highest risk is in terms of human users within your company and how you may want to do targeted training to change their behavior. Yes. And I just love it. I just love the way they're looking at the problem and love how they first chipping away the training problem in a very, uh, 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 you know, sort of ingenuous sense. Yes. And then, then go from that to solve uh, the, the higher level problem. Yes. So living security is one that um, I'm really happy that uh, it's part of our portfolio and uh, really happy to be supporting uh, Ashley as an entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. look at her when she comes to fundraising, she is like, she owns the room. Yes. She's like, we are going to be, a, so I love the way she said, she said, we're going to be a successful company. I hope you will be part of our journey. But yes. if you not, we're going to be successful. That's and, right. And I just love that. Right. I so I, I'm going to use that on somebody. <laughs> it's so good. Yes. I love that. I love the confidence. Yeah, the confidence. And, and I think that is confidence is, is infectious, right? So yes. people love that and they want to be part of journey with you when you mm-hmm. use that confidence, uh, confidence. And you should, you should try out their training, to be honest. You should yeah. take your team and, and take a look at it. it's, um, it's unlike anything you've seen. Yeah, I like that it's targeted because I think a lot of organizations do themselves and their employees a disservice of this 
check the box that you read this policy or watch this pre-recorded um, cybersecurity training, right? Yeah. We know that people are multitasking. And, yeah. and to your point about their offering with living security, we all have different behaviors, right? Yeah. So a one size fits all solution doesn't fit all. Yeah, it does it not doesn't. fit all. And the threat landscape continues to evolve and change every day. So I really, really love that her solution is dynamic enough to Mm -hmm. capture what's actually happening and respond to it. I think that's very exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's an example of a a team way better. Now, to be honest, Ashley and Drew were not like, they didn't graduate from MIT. Mm -hmm. They didn't have classic security training background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the classic Silicon Valley VC firm isn't going to bet on them. Yeah. Um, but we love what we see in them. Yeah. We love the team. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. how we do business. That's phenomenal. So I, I like what you said about them, right? They, they don't have the traditional IT cybersecurity background. These are really people who are observant and who understand a problem and they create innovative solutions. What do you find to be a typical profile or some characteristics of founders that either you choose to invest in if you see a theme among the folks that you work with or just in general who seem to garner a certain level of success? So um, I don't know if there's one profile, but I can... I can point out a few characteristics, I think are underlying characteristics of a successful entrepreneur. Um, You're you're a curious person, right? Uh, You ask the right questions. You're very creative. Uh, You're creative because you look for different solutions to the problem. You're not just thinking along the traditional lines of, of logic. Right, so you're curious, you're creative, you're open-minded, right? um, and you are at certain level. You have to be a risk taker, right? and those are very, um, uh, you know, it's broad brush characteristics, but I find them in many successful entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting. I think a lot of those even transition over or translate well into the corporate space as well. When I look at the people who are celebrated in many organizations, it's because they were disruptive or they were creative or curious. They asked the right questions and scratched below the surface. Um, And the risk takers, I like the risk takers. And I think you're probably a risk taker because look at all the things that you've done and the different you know, lanes that you've, you've shown up in and how you're showing up in this lane. What do you want your legacy, the legacy of Rain Capital to be? Oh, oh that's a hard question. Uh, you know, I, I try not to think about that. I really, I really do because, yeah, um, you, know, you, can't, you can't let that hamper what you do. You know, if mm-hmm. you say, I, I'm going to leave people with this impression, then you kind of always, you put yourself in that box. Um, 
So I hope, you know, this is something that people would say, hey, you know, she's very, she's an interesting uh, professional. Yeah. She's done a lot of different things um, and she's had a lot of different experiences and, and she has shown, in some ways she has shown that some of the, the impossible things are possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that will be that would be great if people think of me that way. <laughs> well, I can tell you that I think of you that way today. I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, as a woman myself in cybersecurity as a career, maybe I'm not a founder, um, but I see very often, whether it be through my own experiences or hearing about the experiences of others, the challenges that we do face. And I love that not only are you a champion of women in cyber, but you're doing this very, very important work and creating a space for women to just continue to thrive and blossom amid all of those challenges. So I'm, I'm excited about what you're doing. And I think you are living that very legacy today, Changsi. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So what's next? What's next? Um, I want to take the fund to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going uh, for larger targets, yes. um, a, a larger stage, if you will, um, and uh, maybe taking to more of an international stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I'm really, um, also, I'm very inspired with, uh, you know, you and I are both, both in this network, and I'm very inspired with, uh, all the women in this network and what they do. And I hope I can spend more time amplify uh, these mm-hmm. women leaders and together we'll make the cybersecurity space a better place for, for everyone, including women and minority. I love that. I love that. Well, Changsi, it has been phenomenal speaking with you today. Thank you for making the time. I know I'm very inspired by all I heard, and I'm sure others are as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to um, talk about myself, but always fun to be talking to a woman like you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure we'll do more of it. Everyone, that is it for this week's episode of the Urban Girl Corporate World Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get our podcast and join us next week on Wednesday for a new episode. We'll see you there. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Wow. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Wow. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it.